Welcome to Rainbow Rated. This is a special episode of Rainbow Rated where we are going to be looking and focusing a little bit on mental health. Now, it's worth starting, and we're going to start this podcast with an important safety message, that myself and my guest, we are not doctors, we are not trained professionals, um, psychiatrists, therapists, or anything like that. This is just two people talking about their experiences using a bit of research that we found on helpful hints and some facts to pass the message and information onto you guys listening so that you can Either use it to help yourself, your friends, family, anyone you think might need a bit of information, and then pass it on to your other groups and chats that you might be social with as well. So if you do have any information, if you do want any more information or any worries, we will be putting down information about other charities, links, and social groups that can help you out, not only at the end of this podcast, but obviously on our social media as well. But joining me today is the host of the Untitled Podcast. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, perfect. So um, my name is James Aston. I'm a college student at the moment and I host uh, a podcast called The Untitled Podcast. And pretty much it's about sharing my experiences around the world and a bit about mental health and some kind of hard topics and having kind of a, a positive spin on it and how we can help yourself and how I have helped me get through certain challenges. Um, so um, we are also doing an episode on um, my podcast. And this would be kind of surrounded around um, kind of life, the experiences with it, how important it is, and death, and kind of have an overall spin on that. And if, if any of you do want to check that out, then just type in the Full Stop Untitled Podcast onto Instagram, and there'll be a link straight to my podcast where you can see this episode. And this should be up in a day or so. Excellent. Yeah, obviously, and we'll be, I'll be putting my links to yours on obviously my social media as well. So, guys, you can link it from that way on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook accounts of Rainbow Rated. And it's just a nice way sort of getting the message out there a little bit. And hopefully, uh, between your podcast and my podcast, it's available to make topics that feel a bit more taboo still, hopefully a bit more approachable for everyone to talk about uh, with their friends, family, and loved ones. Perfect. <laughs> So we're going to start off. So this this episode will be a little bit different from your usual Rainbow Rated podcast. For those that are avid listeners, uh, avid listeners of it, we're going to change things up a little bit uh, because being about mental health, we feel that a lot of it is actually still underrated, even in today's society. We're still going mm-hmm. to have a few other favorite favorites moments that we're used to. So we're still going to give you some facts about it, but we actually are going to share our opinions on it one fact at a time so you guys can hear and so if you know someone else is going through that similar effort it might help you to talk or at least you know you're not alone in certain feelings um so looking through these are just some of the facts that we found about mental health mental illnesses mental states uh not only just for the past couple of years but obviously ranging from the past as well so first one is about health around about half of all mental disorders actually begin before the age of 14 uh, what do you think about that? I mean, personally, um, I was uh, I was diagnosed with depression when I was fourteen. Um, like, I had a lot of mental health kind of growing up with certain experiences, being in in and out of hospital quite a lot. Um, and then I eventually went to counselling. I went to school counselling, and I reached out, and it was really hard. But I'm really glad I did it because it's got me to where I am today. Um, and then eventually, you know, I skipped from different counsellors to 
to cams and solar and so on. And these people that can really help me. And I, and I eventually went to a psychiatrist and, you know, um, they'd done the certain practices and then it, uh, they found out that it was depression. That was what I was diagnosed with. So I think definitely a lot of teenagers nowadays with um, social media and all of these expectations of them, um, it's that it, there's a lot of pressure. And I think it, it, also, it almost makes sense that it's at a young age when they start. And obviously that, that should not be the case at all because it is a really horrible thing to go through. But personally, I can relate to that because I was diagnosed with it at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, that must be difficult because obviously in today's society as well, there's a lot, um, I say kids seem to be growing up even faster than mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm only 30. So even I was at school like 20 years ago, but even in the space of 20 years, the kids are growing up so much faster than they used to. And unfortunately, there's a lot more means of um, almost bullying and getting things out there that affect people. Like I was bullied at school uh, for most of my secondary school life and i can't imagine what it'd be like now being at school because at least i could get away from it because facebook wasn't a thing myspace was rarely used but now because obviously cyberbullying and all that you can kind Mm -hmm. of see a number of different outcomes just from people not even just being bullied but obviously there's different ways and it can increase the amount out there because yes it's good that we can see it more and hopefully get more people diagnosed because sometimes it's a nurture thing sometimes it's a nature sometimes it's I know certain mental illnesses are kind of, it's, it's a chemistry in the brain um, as well. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by getting a bit more message out there, it can help people. But yeah, yeah, it's part of what the schools can do as well a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the schools, like, the schools can make the situation better and help them, but it can also make them worse. Like, I've had friends and family um, where, like, they've been to school and they're, their schools don't have like a mental health team. They have no one that they can go to and reach out to. So then they feel more like, more like they don't want to go out to anyone about it because it's even harder. It's not as accessible. But um, with my school, I was lucky enough to have like a counseling team there for anyone who needs it. And you could come in and out when you please. And like, you know, they, they would pull you out of certain lessons for a session. It'd be like an hour or so on session. And, um, so that really helped me personally, but some people unfortunately don't have that. So I think the more schools and more colleges and places of work as well um, that have these counselling teams ready just in case, I think is really important. And the thing you said about uh, cyberbullying, I think that is a very, very like common thing now. Um, because like, you know, you could, you could go to school and you could get bullied and get picked on. But then, you know, um, you come home and it's like, it's still there. Like there's no way of escaping it almost. So that you go outside and you don't want to do that, but you don't want to stay on seat inside either. And it's just like you're trapped and it's almost like you're suffocating. So I can't imagine what that would be like for someone who was bullied through like secondary or whatever it is. And then coming home and having to deal with the stress, the stresses of normal day home life on top of that like i can't imagine how bad that would be for them no and you see it like over the past couple of years especially the amount of and it oddly moves on to the next fact as well is the fact that like one person dies from suicide every 40 seconds as an average mm-hmm. and obviously yeah going on from like with cyberbullying like, it happens so much and families have got to find their loved ones because the bullying's been too much or um sometimes it's the their mental health state is a bit too much and they just can't find the 
end of the light or the tunnel in the light kind of thing and it, they feel that they struggle um mm-hmm. it's like at school our we had unfortunately um a, my classmate called richard that he committed suicide when we were 16 17 um mm-hmm. it was a case of he had gone to the park and like the next morning someone found his body um yeah. and the way it was dealt with is probably wasn't the greatest um because you see in a lot of okay americanized tv shows and films where they kind of get everyone in the circle share their feelings and there's documentaries out there where they offer it a bit more now to everyone which is great but back then it was kind of the message got told to like three people and it spread through the school rather yeah. than telling like a whole class or a group and then um they called people off into a room people were walking past whispering wandering and a lot of people missed out on getting to know the information firsthand mm. um and it felt like well, the school might have done and i might not have seen it but it felt from my point of view it was kind of at this point he wasn't part of the school because he'd left a couple of years earlier but mm-hmm. then they were kind of like right we've told you that's our obligation done which obviously then a lot of the afterthought is a lot of people then going what could i have done and it then leads to almost more issues because then they've got no outlet for it or no official outlet so they find other ways uh, mm. which aren't always the greatest yeah definitely definitely i mean like i'm sorry obviously you had to go through that because i can't imagine what it was like but i think with the whole 40 seconds someone you know is sadly committing suicide that is a very that is a very very high kind of gap 40 seconds like that is very high and i think the more mental health teams there are the more staff there is and the more like facilities that people can go to the better because um i know a lot with um a lot with men in in particular there's this like stereotypical masculinity that a lot of men feel like they're obligated to you know uphold within if it's surrounding it with family or friends or any type of relationships that they they have to be strong you know they they have to they have to keep it inside and not let other people in because it's their masculinity and it's feel like they have to and this is just from you know like different things like family and friends kind of thinking oh well this is what you know men do which obviously in my opinion isn't correct i think if you're a man or woman or whoever um you you identify as is that you should always feel like you can go to someone else about it and have the right to do that i think that keeping something in is more damaging than letting it out um i know it is a a very vulnerable feeling when you're going to a counselor or you're going to a friend or you're going to a family member and obviously they have this information that you probably don't want to tell anyone else and you probably haven't told anyway but like believe me from my first-hand experience I have done both. I have kept it in and not told anyone and I have told other people and keeping it in, in my opinion, is way worse because it just eats at you. I mean, that it's a very strong topic there about the male masculinity as well because mm-hmm. um, this is it. Like Some of the information out there is the fact that mental illnesses can affect people of any age, race, religion or income. Um, and I think that is how much we perceive ourselves as well because um, a lot of people, I mean, difficult from my experience i haven't talked a lot to people but there's certain moments where certain things come out because you either once the ball starts rolling you should sort of feel yourself saying everything that you need to um Mm -hmm. and there are other moments that i'm terrible at it where if i go to someone and go i need to talk 
and like they'll do the I need to talk to um, and like yeah. you go first and their issue is like from my experience or my view is their issue is like 10 times worse than mine like it might mm-hmm. not be my own experience so it feels bad but because mm-hmm. they're on a scale of what we're told to believe is terrible like is worse you kind of spend all their focus on them and then mm-hmm. by the time it gets to them go oh but what about you i just sort of go oh no doesn't matter now like your issue yeah. is the main issue um yeah try and find ways to i suppose break the barrier of no matter what size issue you think it is it's still important to talk about it because yes yeah, so then it's not bubbling up inside definitely like 100 percent. i think whenever uh, the communication is a very important thing day-to-day life but especially with mental health it's that um if you know if someone's coming to you about something you're coming to them about something and they have an issue as well i think it's about you know um one of you stepping up a little bit and just say okay all right i'm gonna help you or that or you know they're gonna help you and then when one is done finished talking you're like okay right this is my point this is what's happened in my day and then it's more of a two-way street it's more 50 50 and plus i think it's a healthier way because then they feel like they've helped you so they have internal you know like happiness they feel like they might have helped you and vice versa so it isn't so like one-sided and stuff and i've done similar things where someone's come to me and then you know like they're telling me about their day and they're like oh what about you and i'm just like oh it's it's okay now like i i just i don't want to i don't want to put my stuff on top of what you've just told me but i've learned through like years of having mental health and stuff that it's it's better to do it in most circumstances because they feel like they've helped you and then that brings the bond stronger as well um and more reliable it isn't just like well i help you and then you know you don't really help me because i choose for you not to do that okay so there's more of a like so it's a balance because in yeah. that instance you've both gone here's an issue but now because i'm helping someone i don't feel not as bad it's like there's a nice um, almost resolution to your own problem because you've gone i've been able to share and help mm-hmm. which is quite nice to have okay yeah exactly because uh, yeah it's mentioned that one in four people will experience a mental health problem in our lifetime uh which mm-hmm. one in four which for me was quite a shocking number because it's yeah. not one of those things you associate with everyone, even though obviously we've just said everyone can have it or anyone can have it. Um, but when you look at other facts of different, like one in two people experience cancer in their lifetime, averages one in 10, um, a one in 10 person will be a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I don't know why, but one in four, I thought it'd almost be, I don't know. It's terrible to say. I thought it'd be like one in eight or something. Um, mm-hmm shows you how the scope is and how much range it can affect more people yeah yeah definitely like um i'm personally i'm at college now my class is like you know 20 30 people nearly and you just think like how many people in that room like i I look around it sometimes and just like one in four one in four people you know could be suffering with it right now and just hiding it or you know in the future and they could have that. And it is really crazy to think that it is such a common thing. But obviously, having such a common thing, and also a common thing that is very, very, very hard to go through. And obviously, each individual thing, if it is depression, if it is bipolar, if it is schizophrenia, whatever it may be, whatever mental health it is, um, obviously, it's got to be personal to you. 
And yeah, maybe many people might have that mental health as you know, I um, as like a um, a diagnosis, but it's like personal to you. Um, so that you could be filled in a room with loads of people with the same mental health disorder, but the way you experience it would be different. Um, so it is common, but at the same time, it is very personal to you. And I think that's why one in four people, it is really important to be aware of that and just be aware that someone could be going through something and you don't know about it. And obviously, because that's so personal to them, that it's important to just be kind and just be helpful to those who need it. Um, because you don't really know what's going in there, you know, in their past, uh, and like when they're going home or whatever. I suppose that's it's, it's that um, idea of almost like a spectrum, because a lot of again media will f- almost solely focus on the high end of the stereotypical way of oh, if someone's got a mental illness problem, that means they're going to be in asylum, they're going to speak mm-hmm. to themselves, they're going to act crazy. Where as for some people, it might obviously it might be that situation. We don't know. Uh, but for other people, it might just be that little voice of self-doubt that could be tiny. You don't see them, but then they cover up their arm um, because they are self-harming or they leave class quite early because they just feel that no one wants to talk to them. So it's kind of how their brain works a little bit. And I know obviously social media at this moment is full of loads of um, inspirational quotes and quotes that are like, just because they're smiling doesn't mean they're happy or uh, especially mm-hmm. a lot of check up on your happier, funnier mates because you don't know what's going on behind them. Um, yeah. Because I think it can affect a lot of different people. Um, because even just some of the... So these three are kind of quite connected, these facts. It's the fact that uh, members of the LGBTQ plus society or community are almost three times more likely to experience a mental health condition. Um, women are, three, uh, more t- are more likely to have suicidal thoughts and make attempts and then men are three more times more likely to actually take their own life. Um, mm. So I don't know if, obviously for the men's section, if, or well, fact, it's kind of that, as I said earlier, the masculine toxicity is coming into effect because they feel there's no escape because they have to have this bravado of no one can see me cry, no one can see my weakness, I have to be strong, I have to have um, all these elements that make up, in quotation marks, like a man, a man. Um, mm-hmm. obviously for women it's difficult to discuss because not being a woman myself um, but there's always that pressure on them because there's from what you can see of having to have well you originally it was you either have a family or you have a career and now it's both and now it's juggling and it's trying to make um, not only them be who they want to be and can be but then there's a lot of pressure from all sides about you have to do this you have to do that um, especially with what's happened recently in the news, not even just recently, but quite a lot throughout history, where a lot of women are focused on or called upon going, oh, this happened because you do this and you do that as like it's their own fault or it's not, but because they haven't got a safe place to communicate about it, they might feel pressurised, so they've got nowhere to talk about it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean... With male masculinity, it is a very, like, it's it's a thing that was stereotypically, like, I guess you would say old-fashioned, but it still happens today. Like, it's still a very common thing, and I'm sure there's, you know, men and women that are out there and just personally just not telling anyone about it um, just, so, just because they don't want to bother other people. And I think that... Um, I understand to a certain extent on what that feels like to not put your issues on someone else. 
but at the same time it's really important to communicate with it because um i guess the way i kind of think of it is if i was them would i want to know um and in the sense of like you know like if one of my friends was going through something or one of my families was going through something i would want them to tell me so then i could be there for them and try and support them as much as i can because obviously like i can't take it away but just being there and just being a shoulder to cry on and someone to listen to is enough and i think that's really important to do that yeah like knowing someone is out there that has no judgment um or at least you can talk to them and there is no judgment from them because they either maybe have not experienced it but either you know they're such a good friend or family member they're not going to talk um it's like for me with being a member of like the lgbtq plus community it's been very difficult to talk about certain things with certain people uh, because you're trying almost to go in to talk about one depth. You then have to kind of go into a whole bigger story to get them to understand. And sometimes mm-hmm. people will be like, oh, I understand, but they don't because you can kind of feel the almost awkwardness um, of them trying to, but not fully. So it's sometimes it is easy to talk to certain topics um, with other certain members of either that have shared the almost group or shared experience because um, you can talk about okay at the moment obviously there's a uh, bullying is one of the easiest things not easiest um, one of the biggest things to talk about with the community itself because everyone who is a member of the LGBTQ plus has experienced some form of bullying in their lifetime um, mm-hmm. or some families have been very dismissal or kind of shunned family like, I've been very lucky in fact like my family have not um disowned me disavow me in any way whatsoever they've been very helpful very friendly and very kind of almost wanting to learn themselves so they can help out mm-hmm. but it's a struggle sometimes because you want to talk to someone about how you're feeling and even if it is just basic information but because people don't know and probably getting slightly off topic here with it but the fact that um, at schools are trying to get more information in uh, about my community into schools is more helpful and that actually might help a lot of mental health issues in the long term for a lot of kids that are coming to terms with who they are or trying to find out who they are because by not knowing it and not having the information out there there's a lot of struggle um mm-hmm. especially with teens that are trans and a lot of people go oh it's too early how do they know and things like that even mm-hmm. if they information to hand they can make not even just an informed decision but then their peers can also have informed information so it's, they feel they can like they're not alone yeah yeah definitely like with me um with me like being bi and i came out um when i was in school so this was like year 11 and everything and i just i just thought of different situations different to other people like some people would look at you know guys and stuff and think ah, oh, like you type of thing and then but i never really would i would just i don't know I, I find them attractive and everything as well as as well as women and um i don't know i just kind of kept it to myself a lot like um i was i was a very jokey person and i would joke about a lot of like things around it but deep down i generally like really attracted to them um, and then eventually came out and everyone was really accepting about it and my mom was acceptant about it my all my family was but my family was very uh, religious you know like um i think it was like christianity so um you know some of my family was very you know like bible and you know in in the bible obviously um it's it's pretty pretty much says that you know sleeping with the same gender or being attracted to the same gender in the eyes of that is you know wrong but with my with my family um 
even though a, a lot of them were really religious, is that they were very accepting of it. They were like, well, we still love you for you. And that's not going to change anything, which I am really thankful for. And obviously this does tie into mental health because if it's the opposite way around and you have a family that's really religious or someone who just doesn't accept it, that could have a massive impact on your mental health and how you perceive yourself as well. Because then if your family is like, oh, it's wrong, it's this and this isn't. And it isn't wrong at all. You should, I believe that you should be be attracted to whoever you want to be attracted to. But if they have that opinion of you, then you could look at yourself and be like, are they right? Like, am I wrong? Is, is this wrong to feel? And I don't think it's wrong to feel at all, but I just think it's about trying to make them understand, but there's only so much you can do. You can express your feelings, you can express your emotions and give examples but there's only so much you can do. I think then at that point it's up to them and then what they think. And if they have a positive opinion on what you believe in or a negative opinion on what you believe in. Yeah, it's, it's funny is probably the wrong word, but it's funny that you say you came out in year 11 because my school had this almost weird tradition where at least one person in year 11, like every year would come out. Mm. Um, and it was a very weird tradition to think of, but it happened for like three years before I did. And I came out in year 11 to my school. Uh, but didn't come out for three years later to my parents mm. um, as it was just sort of trying to balance who, find who I was. Um, and for me, a lot of it was, I can look back on now and almost probably start to cry again because when I came out of school, um, there was this mass argument about adoption mm. um, and the boys were on one side and the girls were on the other and I sided with the girls because the topic was, if gay men were to, if uh, gay parents were to adopt a child, that child would turn out gay. And all the boys were going, no, I mean, all the boys were going, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um, gay adults make gay kids. Mm. And all the girls they were like, no, that's just idiotic. Um, and like, I came out by going, well, I have straight parents and I'm gay as an argument point. Mm -hmm. And I can look back at it now and sort of laugh on it, but. From there, I had um, all, unfortunately, I was in an English class with all boys and they did not get sarcasm because they said, do you love me? And I went sarcastically, yeah, which caused a lot of bullying from there. I had clothes thrown into water uh, waters and ponds and things. Um, I even got a Christmas card off someone who would thought my friend and it said, Merry Christmas, faggot. Um, and a lot of these things really hurt me. And like, so thankfully, I didn't do anything... Um, to myself like physically but it obviously had a massive impact mentally on myself uh for a number of years because i didn't come out to parents and then kind of went enclosed again a little bit mm -hmm. um or would almost sometimes go to the extreme of being a caricature um and it was very difficult like it got to the point where i had a fight about it and i threw a chair across a room about it because someone decided it was funny to take a chair leg and stick it up my rear end. Um, and that kind of caused me to lash out quite a bit. Yeah. But thankfully, there was a teacher um, called Mrs. Bell, Tina Bell. And she almost saved me from doing a lot more than I could have done. Because she actually took me aside and just spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sometimes having that person that, notices it and they could come from anywhere um and you just don't recognize or realize where they might come from but sometimes by having that one person speak to you at that right moment 
can help a lot more than they might even realize themselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. Like having someone to talk to and having someone who, you know, um, is there when you know you feel like you really need it or you feel like you got a lash out is really really important. Uh, so another fact is that 6.4% of 16 to 74 year olds uh, report self-harming or they've self-harmed at some point in their lives. Now, it's important to say with this fact that just because it is 6.4 doesn't mean it's just that number. That is only the amount of people that have actually reported it um, because obviously there's a number of people out there that probably might do self-harm but don't report it because of potential connotations or things they might believe that happen from there i think that um i think that people who do self-harm at a young age it is very scary um because i i i have personally um done it when i was younger um i think i started doing it when i was 15 um and that was kind of one of my one of my big things um and I used to just like punch walls and stuff and then like my knuckles bleed and so on. And um, I don't know, it was it's like with having like depression and stuff, it kind of feels like you can't really feel anything. So you want to, you want, you, you want to feel something again. Um, Cause you know, the things that, the things that you've been through and the things that, you know, you used to love and you used to get real happiness about you they just didn't excite you anymore and they didn't make you feel happy and if anything it made you kind of feel worse um so have wanting that excitement again wanting that you know feel of anything because it feels like you just can't be happy at all um is that and that's what i kind of went to lead to um and then from um 16 17 and me nearly 18 now it's like i haven't self-harmed in probably two years which is really good. Um, and, you know, I think that it comes almost of a di- and, and like almost an addiction to do it, to, to feel something again. And the way I kind of dealt with it is that I went to the gym and that was my escape. And it's something that I still do today. Uh, I still work out at home, obviously, because of COVID. And, um, you know, I, it still really helps me today. And I don't have the urge to hurt myself. And I haven't in years. So I think, you know, having that self-harm and having that thing that you feel like you need you need an outlet for, there is positive ways of having that similar outlet that doesn't hurt you and doesn't hurt the others around you. And the gym was that for me. That's uh, amazing. Like, to f- you've found something other for two years, not uh, gone into that mindset of having self-harm again. So um, I think that's... I don't know if it's um, silly to say, but you know how with obviously certain addictions, they give out chips for like, well done, you're five years sober, mm-hmm. you're two months sober. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's very difficult because you don't, almost, part of you might not want to celebrate that fact that you've gone, yes, two years without self-harming, but obviously you do at the same time. Yeah. Um, do you feel like if there was that sort of almost connection out there, that would help people as well? Because there's a chance of you can talk to the people like-minded and, almost celebrate within a group or a community, do you feel that would be beneficial to people or would that just be sort of going a step backwards? I think it really depends on the person. I think um, for some people that are a little bit more open about it and a little bit more talkative about it with people who are like-minded and have been through similar things, I think that can really be, I can think 
I think it'd be really beneficial to them. So then you could have like a little group or a little um, a place you could go to where, um, you know, you would talk to people about people who have, you know, self-harmed and they share their experiences in this group. And then t- together um, you can say, well, you know, I haven't self-harmed in this amount of time and this is what it was like, but this is where I am now. I think it would help other people that you're with to, to show them that it can get better. Um, if you just do certain things and pick up certain habits and time. Um, but on the flip side, I think some people who are a bit more private and some people who doesn't, don't really want to talk about their mental health and their self-harm as much, I think maybe it would be enough for them to just know deep down inside that they're doing really well. But um, I think, you know, like a family member coming to them or someone I've told about it to just be like, you know, you're doing really well. I'm really proud of you. And, you know, you've come... This, this far and you should be really proud of yourself i think that's all, always a really good thing um but i i just kind of depend i think it depends really on the person you are yeah because sometimes it can be it's just the smallest thing that keeps you almost from going over the edge um if people if you feel that people aren't either recognizing or aren't noticing but then just to have one person comment even it could be something uh that's minute as oh, I really like your top today or um, oh, what you did last week was fantastic in work or in class or in school or whatever. Having that little uh, rec- uh, recognition can actually help much more than people realise, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like in, um, in college, um, they have this system and so they have uh, celebrations and concerns. So... Um, celebrations is if like there's anything you've done outstanding that has helped people or you know whatever it may be they would put it on the system and be like you know like you're doing really good here and you know like um these are the things you did and so it's almost like a recognition of they're noticing what you're doing and they're noticing that you're really trying and you're going beyond average which i think is really good and when i see these i'm just like well you know i'm I, I didn't really expect them to notice, but I'm glad they did because it shows that they are watching and they are like looking at me and everyone else to see what we are doing. Um, so I, th- I think it's a really good thing, personally. But yeah, that's quite, a, that's quite a brilliant idea. Like not just, I think, if all places of either work or business almost kind of, maybe not everywhere, but had somewhere where that almost wall kind of showing of achievement was, possible because then people might even if not talk one-on-one to people but they kind of at least know themselves that people have gotten through it or people are still being willing with it it's i think quite helpful sometimes for people especially younger people where they can see oh like this person's lived through it they're dealing with it they've managed to get to the side or even if it is someone still struggling it's great because it's everyone's deals and works in their own pace Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not all just same as anything and everything you can't focus or you can't compare yourself to someone else because like you said earlier we're all different in how we are anyway so we all sort of experience learn and maybe even grow and find help and acceptance at different levels of our own Mm -hmm. life um and like what's quite interesting looking in the past of mental health help um is the fact that there was the Mental Health Act of 1959 was first put in place, and this was when 
for quite a lot of people, especially for the government side, that was almost the first recognition of them acknowledging what mental health was. Mm-hmm. Even though there was charities that were focused on mental health beforehand, a lot of the time in the past, of the mental health issues people just thought were crazy would throw into asylums or have lobotomies. Mm. Um, and even then, like as uh, mental health first aid was only first introduced in England in 2007, so that's only been 14 years of having people almost be trained up as mental health first aiders. And like I know you've spoken the fact that you've had uh, a team at school mm-hmm. uh, that were quite trained on the fact there and how helpful that has been. And uh, is there a call that maybe all places, no matter what they work in or what they specialize in, should have at least a team of people or just one person trained on that to help out? Like would that what sort of impact would that have for people? I think I think it has a very positive impact because um, there's like it's almost that safety net. Like you know, if um, if if I do something, if I reach for this goal, and it, you know, and if it does not work out for whatever reason, that you have someone that is trained and you can go to them. Um, like personally, um, I want to be a firefighter. And with um, being a firefighter, you have like some people there who you can go to about, you know, anything that's happened on the job, because obviously PTSD is a common thing in public services. If this is the army or the police or the paramedics or the fire service, because you see some things which you don't necessarily want to see, but it's for the sake of helping others. Um, So obviously when you go through something and when you see these things, obviously I think for me personally, when, when I do eventually start working as a fire, so, uh, as a, um, as a member of the fire service, when I'm around 20 or so, that I think that would be really beneficial to me personally, that I know that there's someone there that if for some reason I get on a call and it's a little bit more difficult than usual, that I have that person there and I can t- talk to them and they're trained enough to help me and help firefighters like me who um who need that support so i think it's really important and i think that um near enough every place of work should have at least an option to do so yeah that's brilliant because it's there's probably a better phrase for it but it's kind of having that safety net so if you feel that you're again another kind of reduced phrase is like falling off the wagon or if you feel you're having a particularly bad moment at least you know you've got backup to help you um like I know we've had it with a couple of places where I've worked where you have people that go, oh, you can t- come and talk to me. You know, I'm always here for you. And But you don't always feel that person is there. Like you feel sometimes it's a statement or something's there said. Well, it's being said so they can feel better about it from maybe like a work point of view or a manager point mm-hmm. of view. So it's quite sometimes I think, yeah, having that person that is trained or focused on having that, not only specialty, but almost premise of i'm here for you whenever wherever um would be helpful for like, yeah not just obviously firefighting an army but that's probably where a higher increase of people might realize or might need help because of the day-to-day situations they're facing um i know that we had it when so in part one of my old jobs i was lucky enough to work abroad um and i was working in tunisia when the attack on the beach happened mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't working in that particular hotel, but in the area, and very night kind of night nicely, the whole company, not just for the staff, but also for people that were flying. So the guests, uh, when they landed at home, they all got information. Say if you need help, these are the numbers you can contact. They're available. 
some of them have been set up specifically just for that situation and that helped even if people didn't ring up i think having the knowledge that someone was there helped a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and can help a lot of people as well yeah definitely i think having the safety net and having at least the option there is really really important because you know that someone is there to help you if you really need it So we talked, that's the facts that I found. And we've talked a lot about of our experiences kind of throughout talking about the facts as well, a little bit, especially with school um, and how we're growing up and obviously reactions with family and helping that out as well. Um, obviously this, we're now unfortunately celebrating a year in lockdown, yeah. uh, obviously for the UK um, and for a lot of the world. How have you found kind of being in lockdown? How has that, I say helped, hindered? How has that, how have you kind of managed this past year or so? I think at, at the very start, it was really hard for me because I was always the type of person to go out, you know, always meet friends, you know, go to the cinema, you know, go to parks, you know, and like it was always something that I would always go out. Like, this was like first year of college when it started happening. And I was always going out, you know, like my course is very, um, you would go out, you know, you would do things with your, your group and uh, you go on trips. And it's just like with college life, um, that would be so different. And with like home life, it'd be so different because you near enough couldn't go outside like at all apart from exercise. So at the start, it was very hard because I was very restricted in my day-to-day life that I would usually do. And then as time kind of went on, I adapted, I adapted it like more and more. And now I've got to the point where I'm not going to say I enjoy staying at home, but I feel like I can keep myself busy. In, in my day-to-day life and I think that's what it's really about it's about making the best out of a bad situation um so for me personally like what I would um usually do like even when you know it was online lessons um I would have I would get up for like um eight and have my nine online lessons for like four then I'd eventually um you know make like lunch and breakfast and then it would obviously be like I would, I would go and work out and working out was a really big thing with it as well then I'd, I'd, I'd love to cook, so I'd make like a, a proper meal and everything, talk to some friends, you know, play some computer games, watch some movies. And, you know, and at this point, um, I, start, I started the podcast as well. So, and the podcast is like this project that I, like, I've re- I really wanted to work on and just share my experiences. So I just think at the start, I was making kind of bad decisions with it. I wasn't doing as much. I was being a bit lazy. I wasn't being productive and like, I think it's just about making the best out of a bad situation because I think in any situation, especially the whole lockdown, is that there is good ways of dealing with it and there's bad ways of dealing with it. And me being a self-aware person, I knew that I wasn't doing the best I could with it. And then when I flipped it on its head and I was like, okay, well, I know I can be doing this, this and this and this. And then when I apply that, it's made life way more easier and way more enjoyable in my personal opinion. What about you? How, how have you been um, dealing with it? Well, it's, yeah, so I, my start of lockdown, um, we were working from home for a little bit because uh, I work kind of slightly in the education sector as well. Um, we could do a bit more work and contact schools for information. Um, I've, I live alone. So apart from that kind of six weeks of working and then I was very much, that's it, work's over now. Uh, we don't need you because like we can't do anything because obviously all the schools are kind of very closed and shut down at that point. Um, 
So it was trying to figure out and find things to do with my day. Like, as you said, we couldn't go out only for like an hour to exercise. So I found myself doing, thankfully the weather was nice. So I found myself going out for kind of daily walks, even if it was a case of um, one day, right, I'm going to go off to this shop and get some food. Then I'm going to go to this other shop and get some different food or just have a wander around. So I got to know where I live a bit better. Um, then I found it a bit of a struggle after a while because it was just the waking up, watching TV, gaming. There was kind of no sense of routine or just any sense of sense to the day. Mm. So it did get quite tough quite a lot of the time. Uh, there were a few times where I sort of sat on my sofa and had like a little cry and a breakdown and thought, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and like you try and reach out to people and it's very difficult because obviously a lot of people are finding the same thing now or same thing back then. Like they didn't know what to do. They didn't really want to talk to people. So um, it kind of became a thing where you almost stop talking to people. Now, I'm very thankful. Like uh, my boyfriend, which he'll, he'll probably listen to this, uh, is in a lovable way a pushy. So he'll message and message and message. Uh, but it was quite because it's almost like breaking down the wall I kind of built around myself, a little bubble. Mm-hmm. So he was there to kind of go, look, I'm here. If you need me, talk to me. We don't have to talk and we can just talk about, like we would talk about um, what happened on like the flash or arrow that week. And sometimes just having that little mini conversation where it's out of the world helped a lot. Um, then I thought, yeah, we got back into work a little bit for a couple of months, but then work was taken away again um, and not being able to go out and see friends and family. And all my friends kind of lived on the other side of Birmingham Um as well so that was quite difficult because then you couldn't go even that far mm. uh thankfully like an old friend got in touch and we then went for more walks so we could have a had catch up because she was living alone as well so we kind of almost became each other's support network and kind of own bubble um so we could have that at least see someone and go for a walk adhering all the social distance rules but we knew someone was out there with yeah. us um then like yeah this year I mean, to lock down 5,628, <laughs> you kind of struggle a bit more. And that's when I think little hobbies happen and help. I mean, my house is covered in Lego um, just because I ended up by that to bringing Lego across from like an old place or just having to have it nearby. So I have a lot of Lego stuffed around my house, uh, which sometimes just helps because it just kind of takes your focus off another mm. thing. Um, and like, now that obviously everyone's kind of going, oh, look, the end's in sight. I don't know how much that will help afterwards or if people then do take time to find normality again because I'm quite a bit of a... Um, once you get to know me, I can be an extrovert, but for new situations and the surroundings, I'm very introvert. Mm-hmm. So going back out to the outside world will probably be a bit of a big thing to deal with because you've just got to kind of get yourself back into your old shoes almost as it was kind of old version of yourself but then join it with what you've learnt now yeah yeah I mean definitely having the support having the friends having the family who are there and you know the you know the calls and everything I think it's really important because then you know we're all going through um we're all going through the same thing you know we're all going through lockdown and we're all going through you know like in in England anyway like a similar kind of thing no matter where you kind of are in England so I think having the support and going to someone about it, uh, like loved ones or family or friends, it's just like, I think it's really important to have that connection so then you can help each other and, you know, 
it's not so separate it's more just like you're together and you can really get through it together because i think it's really important to do that and instead of feeling you know alone and the the routine thing is really important having a routine having a set in stone thing where you feel like you're being productive you feel like you're doing more of your day instead of um kind of laying about and not doing an awful lot which i have definitely done near the start of it um having that routine is really important and setting it out as well i think that in the morning um if you or in the morning or uh, like before you go to bed just set out your day just like okay i'm gonna do this 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 then this then this then and then you know you feel like you've accomplished more you can tick things off your list as you go through and like you think less on the things you can't do and more on the things you have done and you feel a bit better about yourself because of it as well oh yeah for sure like i mean i know there's been tips out there that um every so often having like a lazy day can be good Mm. for you um i know there's i don't swear people get either bad days or it kind of days it turns into weeks into months which is very difficult to kind of try and get out um but i think what you said there was kind of having that routine or at least planning something so even if you know that okay today or tomorrow is going to be a bad day but at least if i can get up and make myself lunch then that's a win for them and then sort of slowly build up there there's going to be people out there that um like i know people that they'll work monday to saturday then sunday's their one day off but they're cleaning the house they're getting the car washed they're taking the dogs for the walk like they're that because that's how they are they can't not settle but um they like keeping busy because it's how their mind and their body works a little bit. The, that, though, does bring us nicely. So on to the next bit, the NHS and a few other mental health societies and groups uh, released uh, top 10 tips for good mental health. Now, some of them we've kind of mentioned throughout anyway uh, or talked about. Uh, but this is just sort of see if any of these tips have either helped you or if they've kind of been good for other people that we might know of. Um, so the first tip is to get plenty of sleep. Okay. Um, I think sleep is very important, extremely important. Um, and especially because it is, it's, it's a very big thing just mentally to get like really good REM sleep. And I think um, if you have eight hours, I think it's really good, really deep eight hours sleep. Because then you feel more refreshed, like in the morning. If um, if you have a busy day, like you're less drowsy, and I think it's really important to just get up as, as, soon, as soon as you wake up, and it's 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 the time that you need to wake up. Um, you know, don't don't put your head back on that pillow. You you get you get up straight away. You open your curtains. You know, sun's blaring. You're like, okay, all right, it's just smashed today. It's completely get it. So I think getting eight hours is extremely important. For mental health and also your body in general, I think both is extremely important. Yeah, no, exactly. Totally. Because, I mean, it's quite difficult, I suppose, when you've got something coming up and looming. So, for example, this is going to sound quite cheesy. um, But, like, the day before I did my very first podcast, I had a terrible night's sleep, but I couldn't settle at all. So, I actually ended up listening to your podcast. (laughs) Uh, It was the, like, deep fear one because um, it was just sort of res- relatable to what I felt at that time. And I, it does help a little bit by, again, that knowing someone's going through what you've gone mm-hmm. through and listening um, and try and find ways to, even if you just can't sleep, rest your body. Yeah. Um, if, even just by lying down, listening to music or something that's calm, 
does help quite a lot because yeah as you say you wake up and if you've not had great sleep you feel a bit grotty. Yeah, exactly. um even if you've not had great sleep which we're all prone to sometimes by getting up straight away can actually help or getting in the shower doing that moment of routine um which also mentions the next one is about eating well so obviously making sure your diet's better than it obviously has been i know throughout lockdown there's been a lot of oh we'll have a cheeky takeaway that's turned into we'll have a cheeky week of takeaways um so like how has your diet because i know you said you you love to cook Mm -hmm. as well so how has that helped you oh well i think like personally with the whole lockdown like it's it's got me like doing more things in the sense of cooking is definitely one of them and i'm really into fitness and so sleep is really important for you know muscle growth and everything and sleep is really important to you know be rare in the next day and then it goes into food as well you know you need food for your energy and it really goes into mental health i think food if you prepare it right and you eat the right food it can make or break your day um like I, I i didn't work out yesterday and um i didn't eat as much as i should have and i ate the right foods it just wasn't at the right times and because of that my workout was very drowsy i tried to give it 100 percent, but i think eating the food um that is very good for you and is high in nutrients and that can keep you like lasting for longer like you know your carbs your veg you know your five a day but also getting some things in that you know, you still enjoy is really important as well. Because having, you know, a so-called diet, um, but I see it more as a way of living, is it's like you you need to eat the things that are good for you. But it's also to it's also about having a takeaway every now and again, having some chocolate if you need that. Like it's about a very good balance with it because it's very unsustainable if you just eat amazing food all the time. Some people maybe can do that, but I know the majority find it very difficult to do that all the time. And that is honestly just normal. So having a takeaway, having a chocolate every now and again, and there's there's substitutes to it. Like if you have a sweet tooth, you know, there's certain things which aren't as high in calories and aren't as bad for you that taste a little bit more sweet. I think, I think with, um, with your diet, it's very important to just mental health as well because if you if you eat you know um, pizza and chocolate and chips all day for a week, you're not going to feel good. Your energy levels are going to keep going up and down. You know, you're not going to feel good about yourself because you know you're not supposed to be eating these type of things. And I think your mental health really drops and you kind of get in a slump. But if you turn it on its head and you get out of that and you know you're eating your good foods, you know you're having things in moderation that. And making it sustainable, I think it's really good for your mental health and really good for your body and your overall well-being. So I would 100% recommend, um, you know, doing a little bit more research on what you should eat, when you should eat it, and the benefits of of the foods because it's basic knowledge. Like in the sense of, we're gonna need this for the rest of our lives. How is this a fully nutrient like um to get the full nutrients in our bodies to you know, fully have the right amount of energy. So, you know, learn, learn a bit more about it, do a bit more research on it. And I think it'd be really important just for um, any age, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're um, 17, 18 or younger, or you listen to this a bit older, either way, I think it's really important to get this information that is going to help you attack your day as best as you possibly can. Were you, a, so before lockdown, were you a bit of a cook and a baker then, or has this been more since lockdown began? Um, I was, I, I was still, I was still a very good, I was still very like into cooking because um, I've been, I've been like working out since I was around 14. So doing that, it is very like, you need to prep your meals, you know, you need to cook your own type of stuff, try and stay away from certain things. 
but it's made me focus on it a bit more. It's made me like, I've had more time to do it. Um, so like, you know, sometimes I'll be just not really cook lunch that much. I would just think, oh, I'm just going to have whatever for lunch. But I actually like prep it a bit more and I'm thinking, okay, well, this could be good. This could be good. And it's, it's kind of similar with the, um, with the whole meals as well. Like the, the big meals that I usually do, if it's pasta or chicken or whatever, I'm kind of thinking of cooking as a meal or steak, I get a little bit more time to do it and I try and get a little bit more creative of it because I have more time to do it. So yeah, I mean, with, with, with some of my meals, it's gave me more time and lockdown has definitely helped in a positive way with that. Um, and then on the flip side, I was just doing it some some of it just normally anyway. Yeah, so, so for me, like I found, um, especially during lockdown, I've had yeah, like I said, more time to kind of work on other meals and look into other recipes. Uh, but what I found for me, because sometimes I can be stuck in my ways, is by going right this week, I'm going to go out and buy some new. So like one week, I bought parsnips that I'd not really worked with before. Then it was the next week was um, like corn on the cobs. And the next week was just something different, like squash. Um, and I think that can help. So if you're like not a, not a fanatic about cooking, but if you kind of either struggle for new ideas or recipes, sometimes by changing one thing and seeing how that can work is quite good as well. Because um, I know a lot of people might not have time to if they're working busy schedules or shifts or if they're in a shared space, so they haven't even got a lot of time to cook sometimes by just changing up and mixing up your ingredients can help quite a lot as well because then it's branching out it's trying something new which can also be quite good for your mental health because you're experiencing the world a bit more um for your own sake because at least it's saying oh like, yes i've been stuck at home but this week i've tried a new vegetable i've tried a new fruit i've tried a new ice cream flavor whatever your idea of trying to try something new is and that really is great helpful because then you can also sometimes pass that knowledge on to others or you might find something new for yourself as well yeah um, yeah i mean definitely like um with with lockdown you know i i started cooking steak and never cooked steak before and i just thought why not i was uh i was doing like my normal weekly shopping i was getting all my food and everything and i just thought yeah why not let's just cook some steak and then i did it and it was pretty nice um so yeah it definitely like i know it really does sound like a simple thing just to try new food and you know like whenever you go shopping put something in that you know um like it's cheap and affordable, but you think, oh, I might as well. Like, it's a very simple thing. But honestly, doing it personally for me is just refreshing because, as you said, like, it's like you're experiencing life more. And it's such a little thing, but it's also like a really positive impact because then when, when I made the steak, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to look up a, look up some ways of doing it. I want to get certain the seasonings. And it's almost like I got excited for it, you know, got excited, like, ready to cook it. And it's just like, my own little thing like i don't need to depend on anyone else for it it's just like you know like i'm gonna get my stuff i'm gonna cook it i'm gonna eat it and it's gonna be amazing so i just think branching out on new experiences is a really good thing i think that's one thing that lockdown has taught a lot of people is that some things that may not have tried pre-lockdown um but while they're in it they're like well i've tried this i've tried you know art or music or new foods or learn how to cook or learn how to write a bit more whatever it may be so i think there is positives to it and that's one of the things for me that i've branched out a little bit more on my eating habits which is really good yeah i think i kind of you almost hit the nail on the head there like a lot of people underestimate simple things Mm. like they feel that changes have to be a big dramatic change or something like um i know there's this one post everywhere that's like don't worry if you're if you haven't learned something new during lockdown don't worry about it um and that's very important as well because it's the whole point of sometimes the smallest thing can act either quite be quite big but to do something simple 
is winning its own way because you've either changed it or added it or tried something new. And I think a lot of people underestimate the power of doing something new, no matter how small it is um, or simple it can be, it can just unlock more in you as well. Mm. Uh, so other tips, and some of them will move on because obviously we talked a lot about them anyway. So one of them is to avoid alcohol, smoking and drugs. Uh, obviously for people that are under the age of 18, that shouldn't matter about any of them because it's all illegal to have alcohol, smoking or drugs for anyone under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. But it's quite good uh, to avoid because sometimes people, when they drink, yes, it lowers inhibitions, but it also kind of increases their mood, especially if they're in a, um, a downward spiral or depressive mood, it can increase that element. So they see a lot of, not hate, but a lot of the world as, oh, it's out to get me. And it kind of it can increase some of the, not dangerous behaviors, but it can add some more worry and upset as well. So it's quite good to avoid it if um, you're feeling that way as well, because it hopefully it shouldn't add on to how you're feeling. Yeah, I mean, 100%, 100%, because obviously the way you deal with a situation is um, is how usually you're going to deal with the situation again. So if you turn to drinking, you turn to smoking when you're really stressed or you're really anxious about something, next time you feel that similar emotion, you're most likely going to be more inclined to think, mm, let's have a smoke, let's have a drink. Um, and obviously, sometimes that, that is fine. Like, I think drinking in moderation is is, is okay. Like, I, I don't really think, um, obviously, if you're over the age of 18, I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But I think when it comes to more of a habit is when it really comes into, like, um, this thing of, like, you know, there's certain things that can happen with your body or your mental health. And you could feel like you need to depend on something. Um, which is really negative. And I saw this thing and it's pretty much saying that obviously like our brains are very, uh, we, we kind of are very susceptible to habits. And this is, you know, like as simple as brushing your teeth in the morning. Like you wouldn't even think about it. Like you would just be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to brush my teeth now. Or like food, water, work, school. Like it's like our brain craves routine. And if we don't have it and it's all jumbled, sometimes we get very down. Um, and I think it's about building these good routines of when you feel anxious and when you feel sad or when you feel whatever these emotions are, that instead of turning to drink and alcohol, you turn into things that equally make you happy but have a positive impact. Because um, there's things that will, can make you happy short term but then have a negative impact. And there's things that maybe make you happy short term and have a positive impact long term as well. So uh, for drinking and smoking, obviously, while you're doing it, you might think, okay, I'm relieved now, but that's really good. Or if you're drinking, you think, oh, well, you know, I'm happier now. And then, you know, later that day, you'll probably crash. And then if you keep going with it, you know, there's these different things that can affect your body, which have a very negative impact. But um, when you're kind of uh, upset or anxious and you think of different ways of helping yourself, like if this is through music or through art or through exercise or through cooking or whatever is making you passionate and you lean upon these things more, it's like the more you do them, they have a positive impact. You can be more creative. You can get more fit. You're going to feel more better about yourself. So it's about choosing the things that are very routine to you wisely. And this is at a young age and this is at an older age because we, our brains, as I said, are very susceptible to routine. So it's about choosing the best routine for you personally and not give in to peer pressure with alcohol and drugs because I think it's very, very easy, especially at a young age, for people to be like, oh, no, come on, like it's fine. Like You don't, you don't have to worry about it. Friends do it. Family does it. And they kind of pressure you a little bit. And, you know, um, 
as you get older and it's illegal age, then every, every so often, I think that's completely fine. But I think it's when you start to depend on it, which it really becomes a big issue. Yeah, because that's it. It's turning it into a coping mechanism, which is not great. Uh, because, yeah, then you rely on it, rely on it, rely on it more. Um, and because, wasn't it, there's someone that, there's about, it takes 30 days to make something into a habit. Mm. So if you, like, yeah, like brush your teeth or do exercise every day, even if it's not maybe at the same time, but if you're doing it for 30 days, then it's e- it's harder to drop it yeah. as well. Uh, fair, your point there, because, yeah, other ones were to do something you enjoy, uh, make sure you're getting activity and exercise, and uh, you get plenty of sunlight as well, which lovely, and your point there covered quite a lot of these things. Because um, sometimes the power of doing something you enjoy can be almost more fulfilling than something and that something else and you're going to want to do it if you enjoy it more because obviously you have the, the chemical reaction in your body and your brain and you can feel the joy from doing it and sometimes another point of it is another point for good mental health is to manage stress and by doing something you enjoy that is a great way of managing sometimes your stress levels because you can break away like for example if i am not feeling 100% or if everything's starting to feel it's getting on top of me, uh, go on my PS4, play a game for a little bit. And yes, uh, having bad games where you beat the bad guys is actually quite helpful in a way because it's something you enjoy, which is a gaming, but also it's another way of taking sometimes the aggression or the anger out of yourself and it's helping you calm down quite a bit um, because there is that enjoyment level and also it's the fulfillment of passing a level, moving something on and being told, even in game form, well done, you're great. And that can just have the smallest effect on, no matter anyone's age, really, because, I mean, nowadays, especially the past year, but everyone's got some sort of game, whether it's handheld, console, plugged in, board game, card game. Um, and just by getting that little bit of acknowledgement can really help them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a gamer myself, and I was always, you know, grow up, um, I'm an Xbox person. I always grew up with Xbox and everything. And um, yeah, like it's, it's really good. Like whenever um, I used to get really stressed and this was like ages ago when I was in school um, and I would, I would come home and I'd be looking forward to it. I'd be looking forward to going to the game with my friends or even just playing like a single player on my own. Like I would just be looking forward to that just because it was that like, that like, um, that like hit of like, oh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing something good, you know? Um, and like, you know, you, you go to the next level, as you say. And yeah, I think like just that just escape where you don't really think about anything else apart from the sole thing you're focused on. Um, I think I think I think is is a really good way of doing it. But obviously, it's just about managing your time with it, and you know, managing work, managing school, managing um your friends, your family, and the things you enjoy as well. Just all of that to benefit you as a whole. But definitely as like an escape for a little while. It, I think I think it's a very very good thing. So I definitely do recommend it. It's just um try not to get into too much of a big habit with it um because for me personally i know i've wasted a lot of time doing it even though it's made me happy i know that i could have pushed myself a little more in different aspects um when i was on the game so um i just think i just think like about life it's just about managing your time as a whole but gaming is definitely something i do recommend for any age as you said because you know there's um there's games for um the older generations games for the, the 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 younger generation and they definitely spark creativity like minecraft is probably one of the most simple games out there like it's so simple um you know you can build you can create and it's just completely your imagination is your limit so i think if uh, especially for, for the younger generation if you have children um i think playing and getting them to play games is 
a really good thing because they can spark creativity when they play Minecraft. They can build something and they can be on with their friends. And there's so many benefits to it. You know, there's, there's communication skills that are going into it. In certain games, there's leader, leadership that goes into it as well. And um, some people can be introverted when they play these games, but it can also create extroverts as well, like some leaders and certain things that obviously you're going to need in day-to-day life with work and school and whatever you've got to go into. So I think there's, it is a really good thing. And I think having that as an escape or having it as even a learning opportunity to become more creative or whatever it may be is really good as well. Yeah, I mean, that's because like some of the FC continues on. So like we've got a point of connecting with others and be sociable and do things for others. And like what you were saying there really helps because it is that point of, um, obviously, yes, with games now, there's other connections so you can link with people that are so far away. So you can kind of, uh, I think on the Switch is Animal Crossing and there's PS Plus and there's Xbox Pass where you can play with us and do multiplayer without having other people in your room, which is great because there's a level of connection. Um, and so, and yeah, even just simpler games like obviously for, uh, say in my generation, my age, it's kind of, we have the Sims, which obviously Sims is still going strong mm. now uh, for different for packages and varieties. And that's quite a nice way because you can build the house, create like the family that, or with magic spells and other bonus packs they've got on. Um, there's so much available. And I think sometimes it is letting that imagination and the spirit run free for a while. Yes, obviously with gaming and everything else, again, it's moderation, learning, uh, taking your time with it because you don't want to be so involved in like one world that you then come separate from others or whenever you're not for example gaming you want to be gaming because you want your focus to be elsewhere it's nice when it's split up between everything else mm-hmm. and hopefully using that you might be able to learn even more from people or see what's going on in the world um learn something new and something great there like it's quite funny when new things come out or but they're old past things so like new sonic films or um there was uh like crash bandicoot games came out and obviously people my age and a bit older we were like oh we remember playing this on like our generation of game consoles like nintendo 64s play- playstation ones back in the day and then you hear like kids going oh my god we can't wait to play this new game <laughs> yeah or like when pokemon go came out and that was so yeah, big so big getting everyone out and like everyone was like oh my god you don't even know the pokemon and we're there <laughs> going Hello. we were there with the original 151 so and but it's quite interesting how um the brands and the companies can bring that link and it almost bridges a link with, especially with family members and friends helping people out because you have got the, oh, you enjoy that. That's what they did. And pass, it almost kind of helps it pass on. Mm-hmm. And by passing on the memories and the joy to the next lot, it helps you as well because it kind of reignites the spark within you mm-hmm. uh, because you find something that's enjoyable. You want to pass it on uh, or learn more, or at least it seems that way for a lot of people. They want to use that because... Uh, with some of the points here sometimes doing things for others can help you massively because it takes you out of your own brain for a little bit and your own mind because you can focus on others so sometimes if you can um i don't know your experience with it but like when i found that i've been doing a bit of charity work or volunteering mm-hmm. um or walking in marches and parades it's been helpful for me because you, you almost see the bigger picture so you don't just focus on yourself and it's a great escape for an hour a day however long you do it for um and you kind of see and get a sense of this is what it's worth. This is what I need to try and almost send out there so other people can enjoy this as well. Maybe they might not realize it's out there, but try and find a way to get it out there too. Mm, yeah, definitely. I get uh, finding like a chain reaction. I think is really good. Like 
when I've done work experience and stuff, like uh, I, I've always done it in charity, like in charity shops and doing charity work. And it, it's just good to help people. Like the people there that I've worked with, like they have been like double my age sometimes. Like, cause I started um, doing charity work when I was like 15 for like um, certain things. And, um, well, they were my age, but you know they would they would treat me just like they would treat anyone else. So I, I think it's really good that they're really nice, they're really genuine, they're really kind, and you know you generally, as you said, you just experience it more, and it's just like you see the bigger picture, and you think, well, you know, you know, um, you're helping other people, you're doing things where you know, like there's all there's all these kind people that are coming out in in and out the shops, and they're donating things to people that need it and the charities that need it, and I just think that is a really good thing because like you're just one big little community. Um, and the, as you said, going to parades and going to these things, I've never, um, I've never gone to one before, but I would love to go to one, you know, for like um, LGBTQ uh, and all of these different things. I would, I would, lo- I'd love to go to these parades, but um, and obviously, it just feel like it feels like you're a part of something, and I think that can like um, that can really help mental health as well. To know like if if it is like some type of mental health kind of um, thing or community, but to know that you're not alone and there's other people that suffer. But it's almost like you can get through it together and you can get through it as like a team and know that you're not alone. And there is so many chances and so many places that you can go to that people would be more than willing to help you when you need it. I think that's it. And that was a big worry last year, um, especially with a lot of uh, community projects and parades and kind of sense of coming together was cancelled. I mean, I know we had um the 75th celebration of uh, the ve day and we had another celebration where people kind of did street parties social distance style and all that which kind of helped for if your street did that um but it's very it's great to get out there i think when you can i know this year a lot of places are planning again so i know that um brighton manchester and birmingham have got their pride parades planned for August and September to give a bit more time and space to make sure everyone's safe again. And obviously other communities will have their uh, times of celebration and coming together. Uh, so it's great if you can go out and do that, because I think having that sense of community not only inspires people, but does help them quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And again, it's probably been repeated quite a lot in this podcast about knowing people are going through it as well or similar ages, but then also to see the older ones sort of go, look, we know what you're going through. This is what we did. This is what you can do. Because um, even simple simple on social media and they have the support groups and networks there, it's great because it helps people. And sometimes you find that once you've had a bit of help, you then feel confident to almost then go, I can now help as well. Um, and that's the final point on the list is asking for help, which obviously we know we've talked about. Sometimes it can be a struggle to ask for help sometimes you worry about what people might say people what might do people's reactions uh but honestly the best thing you can do is probably ask for it even though it might not be who you originally thought you might ask or how you might ask even just by asking because for me i found that in the past talking to people that don't know me helps amazingly because then they don't there's no worry of it almost getting back to someone and someone gossiping or revealing stuff mm. because they don't know who i'm talking about uh, and that has proven i think helpful for a lot of other people especially if you do have uh, or talk to like therapists because you don't know them because they don't know your family your friends your situation it's a brand new book for you to write yourself a little in a way so it's helpful that way as well
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like going to people about it, um, and sometimes people that you know don't don't really know your story and don't have contact with those who you know you come in contact with every day. I think it can help. It can, it can help because um, obviously there's a there's a very big worry in the trust side of it, and um, when you go to someone, um, and think, oh, but what if they tell this person? What if they do this with this information? What if they use it against me? But um, obviously, if it's a professional. Obviously, they 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 cannot do that, and also even if it is a friend that you know is just disconnected from the main friend group, or they didn't know, don't know your family as much, I think that can help as well because obviously there's no there's very less worry of oh like what if they go to this person about it, what if they do this with this information because they don't know like your normal day to day life as much, um, but definitely going to people about it is very important better out than in as as a completely what i say better better out than in but it is very scary um there's been times when i've been hurt because of it um and you know that is very unfortunate but even though i have been i am still thankful that i've gone to others about it because then there's been the people that have generally been there for me and there when i need it uh, and when i need it and whenever i need it and vice versa two-way street so i think it's really important and um, I don't know where I would where I would be right now without you know the help of my friends and my family because you know I know like obviously going through mental health and stuff like it is mainly you know you go through that on your own and there's only so much people can do and so much people can say but even having that support with other people and talking to them about it is very very important so I'm thankful for everyone who has been here and if you know if anyone um, who I know is listening to this well, thank you for that. And for anyone who is listening to this, going to friends, going to family, I think is really important. So then they can be aware of your situation. And I am sure that they would be more than happy and more than willing to help you out. And yeah. Yeah, I think the power of friends and family is almost sometimes underestimated and um, underrated. The fact that like just by talking to someone, it could be something simple that leads into something bigger um even just by going like hello how are you okay and what i've noticed is a lot more people um some people may have watched it so there was the roman kemp documentary recently released on iplayer and bbc about him in the aspect of losing his friend and how it affected his mental health and his issues growing up as well and talking to friends and people that have dealt with the same situation um and it's all about kind of asking them twice because everyone talks to each other and goes are you okay and everyone goes yeah i'm fine or yeah i'm all right but then if you ask them again, a lot of people might actually reveal and go, actually, thank you for asking me again. I'm actually not all right, but I just didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to waste your time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes by asking any question twice, it can show that you care more and mean more. Um, and even then, just having sometimes where you have a really good time or your unexpected time where people just have a laugh and a joke with you to make it more less focused, but then you can sort of enjoy what's, going on around you I think can massively help anyone uh, or hopefully can help anyone and so by having that good support network of yeah friends family work colleagues no matter where your situation is no matter where your age is uh, as long as you've got a few people you can talk to and even if it's not every day I mean my friends from uni well I don't see them because obviously we all live across the UK uh, and different jobs and family situations and lifestyles but every time we get to meet up um or even just chat, it feels like we've never been apart. And that is great because it kind of brings the memories back and that feeling back of not just safety, but being able to say, like, I can say whatever I need to right now 
and I know there's no judgment and I know that they're either going to offer me advice, offer me help, or even they might leave it and a couple of days later ask me how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in my circle of friends, I'm not always great with empathy. Well, not empathy but I'm not really great with being there in the moment, but I'm always the one that's kind of going, listen, if you need either a laugh or if you need something to take your mind off it, I can be there for you to do that. Or if you need to talk, I will be there for you. I might not always have the greatest advice, but at least you know you've almost got the weight off your shoulders because you've talked. And the amount of times just by talking, it sometimes turning into a mini rant can be so beneficial because then you kind of get to the root and the core of what sometimes not was bothering you, but what might need to be the focus. And then from there, either together or even separately, you can help not move on, but find what the next stage needs to be to help the process in your own mind and personality and your own self to make you feel worth and to carry on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. Like, um, with, like with all of it, like going, um, like not seeing friends for so long, but then going to them and uh, having that bubble, having that, you know, like a sense of, you know, I can trust you and you can trust me. And even though we haven't seen each other for so long that, you know, we're still here for each other and there's still that connection. I think it's really important. So yeah, I completely agree. That is almost time for our podcast. Like we're going to end with mentioning just a few charities out there. So if anything that has been mentioned in the podcast today uh, is something either you recognize, you might recognize in someone else and yourself. Again, uh, myself and James, we are not doctors. We are not trained in this. Mm -hmm. It is us talking about our experiences, showing you what we found, what works for us might not work for other people. Um, But if you are worried about yourself or a loved one or someone you know or someone at work, there are other charities. For example, you can go to Mind. Um, They are contactable uh, from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday, uh, not on bank holidays, though. And you can contact them on 0300-123-3393. There's Young Minds. That's for younger ones, for teenagers, for under the age of 18. Uh, NHS, of course, they can offer you help. There's Calm. Uh, campaign against living miserably that you can be contacted on 0800 58 58 58 from 5 p.m to midnight 365 days a year there's the samaritans that can be contacted anytime that's free of charge to call them on 116123 but there's also an app as well for samaritans there's mental health foundation there's heads together there's rethink there's a number of different charities and groups out there. There might be some that's specific to your local area, you know, where we have come from, that you can look into, you can talk to. Uh, a lot of their advice is free of charge. It's advice that's confidential as well, but they want to make sure that they can be there looking after you. So even if you think it's something small that shouldn't that, would, that people won't care about, there are people to talk about, whether it's friends, family, or one of the charities that we have mentioned. Uh, James, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank podcast. you. Uh, don't forget, uh, we are doing another one on the Untitled Podcast, which the links will be available on the rainbow-rated Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages as well uh, when that goes up. But apart from that, guys, thank you so much for joining with us. Make sure you stay safe out there.